Welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast, where you'll learn insights on how to communicate with authenticity, deliver genuine value, and create a memorable experience across your entire customer journey, helping your business become the sought-after leader in your industry. I'm your host, Aileen Day. Now, on to the show. G'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the G'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Value Driven Brand Podcast. I am your host Aileen Day and today I have got a special guest from across the ditch Far, far across the ditch, actually, across the ditch would imply New Zealand. This is even further. This is another ditch again from the wonderful US of A. I have the wonderful Ryan Warner with me. And if you don't know who Ryan is, let me fill you in. Ryan is a professor of communication. We love professors around here. They make (laughs) us feel learnable. Uh, He's a professor of communication and he is also the director and executive coach of professional presentation services. So, so fitting that he's on here. Uh, With over a decade of professional speaking experience and expertise, Ryan has mastered the art and let's say science of enhancing communication. Now that is absolute music to my ears because Ryan, so much of what I do comes down to communication and uh, it just is the foundation to so many <laughs> solutions to our problems. So I love, I love speaking to people who are all about communication. He has developed a compassionate, strategic and highly effective approach to navigate professional communication, <laughs> something we all need. He <laughs> believes in systemic skill development, systematic skill development, well, systemic as well. Let's go with both. Development to improve yeah. confidence, optimise messaging and enhance the overall delivery. Now, I said the US, but you're in Toronto actually, aren't you? <laughs> I didn't want to correct you, but yeah. Sorry, but I had a okay. moment. It's all right. I do USA and Canada, so we're good. Do you know the first time I ever met someone from Canada, and I I think I was like 12, and I only heard their accent, and I said, are you from America? And they were utterly offended, offended. And that was in the early 90s. Imagine if I said that these days. They'd have a real reason to be offended. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where I'm getting confused because Ryan does work between the US in California and in Toronto, Canada as well. Oh, and the the city lights of New York. So you are a man about town, if uh, if nothing else. And we are extra, extra blessed because Ryan is also an author. I love speaking to authors. I am in the middle of writing a book myself. So I love nitpicking people's brains and understanding everything it takes to to write a book, but he's the author of The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Professional Presentations, and you can get that on Amazon, and we will talk about how you can also get the link to that uh, to learn more about Ryan towards the end of the podcast. So with that bio in due, welcome to the Value Driven Brand, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me. You're quite welcome. That was one of the the warmest intros I've ever been given. So I feel Aww. totally, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a good reception here. Thank you. I'm I'm passing the class. 
That's right. It's it's quite funny that uh, and timely that you and I are actually catching up today because not uh, an hour and a half ago I just signed up to a um, challenge called the fifty speeches in fifty two weeks challenge. So I have just signed up to deliver fifty speaking engagements in the next twelve months. <laughs> someone, someone might have suggested podcasting should be included. I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can we include podcasting? They were like, mm, we don't think so. <laughs> I think I got them towards the end. So it is wonderful to have you join us on the show. And uh, I can't wait to talk about all the amazing insights that you have on what creates a value-driven brand. But before we do that, I want to get some more deeper insights into how it was that you actually became a professor in communication. What was it that got you all fired up to teach people how to present uh, with more clarity and to help them get their message across? Yeah, for sure. So that question, it's it's interesting you asked that because someone asked me that a short while ago and it was the first time I had ever been asked that. And I actually had to think about it because being to me, being a professor, it that wasn't like a I was that was I never aspired to become a that, that was never a goal for me. It it just kind of it wasn't happenstance, but I, I kind of followed my interests and my my passions and I was always interested, even as a kid, as how people think, how they come to their decisions. And how come some people are able to articulate very clearly what they'd like and and how they'd like it, et cetera, and others struggled. And and that kind of that perplexed me that really captured my interest when I was when I was a child and even into my adolescence. And as I as I grew older and I began to study that and one thing led to another, you know, two master's degrees later, bachelor's degree. I've been in school for more years than I can count uh, (laughs) studying and researching because the more I learn about what's out there, the more I can help people, the more I can apply the latest insights, the latest strategies, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's kind of what, what drives me to, to do what I do. That is fascinating. And I'm always, I, so I'm doing some, um, uh, I'm not doing some work, but I, I, one of our other podcast guests, uh, has just started a community for PhD. Uh, what's the word we use for them? Candidates. Candidates. Thank you. I was like, why are you a candidate of a PhD? Clearly, I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if I was on my way to getting one, I'd understand it more succinctly. succinctly. But she, um, she has just created this wonderful community for PhD candidates. And it's interesting because although I don't have one, I certainly do know a number of people that have had them. And I'm always fascinated to learn what it is they do their PhD in. And some of them have become doctors uh, in the in the academic world of doctorates uh, for doing some of the most unusual and bizarre bizarre phd (laughs) thesis uh and i'm always subjects and i'm always interested what did you do yours on so um mine focused on psychology and specifically the like communication that how the inputs and outputs if you will that have people come to their decisions and how they navigate the world 
So yeah, that's something I've been, I've been interested in for, for quite a while. And I've been, as, as I just mentioned, very passionate about. So that was, that was a natural kind of progression. But for me, I always find I look at it from a different lens than I would say a typical academic. And I hope I'm not upsetting any typical <laughs> academic. No, she's, she's certainly not a typical <laughs> academic either. <laughs> I always, um, yeah, I approach it thinking to myself, how could we apply this? Whatever I'm, I'm learning, like how could we apply this to the real world? How will it translate? Yeah. Right? Because not all, you know, we, we're constantly discovering new knowledge, but not all of it is, uh, you know, being able to be utilized in the, in the workplace or in people's careers to help uh, people develop more success individually or as a team. Yeah. So that's that's always the connection I have in the back of my mind is how can we use this or how can we mm. utilize this? It's nearly like a, a functional anthropology, really, isn't it? <laughs> sure. You see, you're coming up with words yourself. That's excellent. I look. I studied that. <laughs> I actually have a I have a client who's an anthropologist, and when she got um, uh, when she got put onto me, I had to go Google what an anthropo anthropologist was. <laughs> but now that I know, I'm all about it. Now I apply all of all of the uh, all of the anthropology stuff to everything I do because it's fascinating, actually, how applicable it is. Uh, anthropology. So, and I love psychology. Love love psychology. Yeah. I actually, uh, when I did go to uni, so I didn't go to uni when I finished year twelve, like most normal people. I went. I liked money too much, and uh, so I went. And, worked for a long time and earned some good money. And then eventually at 32, I think I decided, oh, now I found something worthy of going and getting a degree for. And so I went to uni then and part of my uni degree then was to do psychology, not psychology 101, but psychology mm -hmm. 100. Like we're going <laughs> back a step. Like we don't trust you with 101. You're starting at the beginning, 100 for you, lady. And I felt so horrible and um, what's the word? I don't know. Like it was very contentious because everybody in that psychology class had to uh, tell the lecturer or the professor, why are you doing psychology? And um, just admitting because it was part of my uh degree wasn't good enough so I had to come up with another reason but everybody mm. in the room was like oh I'm doing it because I've lived a, a life of childhood trauma and I want to fix help <laughs> other people or oh my children get bullied at school and I want to help mitigate that and ready ready right and I was like I literally sat in the room crying for all of the wonderful reasons people chose to do psychology and then it got to me and I said I just want to find out how to sell things to you. <laughs> I want to make, I want to find out what makes you buy shit. And they were like, you're the antichrist of psychology. <laughs> I'm just going to sit in the back now. <laughs> that, you know, not that, welcome. <laughs> that, that couldn't have been the worst response they've ever heard. They must have heard worse than that over the years. In that group. <laughs> <laughs> tormented and traumatized folk trying to make the world a better place. And here I am just wanting to improve consumerism. <laughs> oh. oh, I love it. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> Sorry. 
segue and a half. All right. Now, Ryan, you are the bee's knees when it comes to communication and uh, presentations and just articulating messages. And I know that because you're here on the Value Driven Brand podcast that you have got some amazing insights to help those listening also be able to create their own value driven brand with your skill sets and knowledge. So let's crack on to the first thing that you talked about uh, when it comes to helping us create a value driven brand. You uh, mentioned that we need to focus on existing customers and clients and not the future, which is just isn't that just so the opposite of what we're constantly having shoved down our throats? What does that what does that tactically mean? What does that mean? Yeah, so thank you for asking. And and yeah, happy to be happy to add as much value as I can. In this particular circumstance, it means focusing on the the clients, the customers that you have, because those are the ones who are going to be your ambassadors. They're going to be your champions. They're going to, you're going to get far more promotional value from them and advertising and marketing value out of them than you will from spending money on, you know, Google AdWords or, you know, however, whatever the other avenues you have at your disposal are. But so many people, they, they often overlook that. And it's, you know, everyone's trying to get new customers and lead sourcing. And, and even, you know, uh, in my neck of the woods where I am, banks do it all the time. Joint switch banks and we'll give you a new iPad, you know, something like this. But then once you're here, we'll forget about you and we'll only call you when we want you to upgrade your credit card. Right? Yeah. Like so many places do that. And it's just, well, frankly, it just turns people away, right? Because then they know, okay, you're going to be good to me to get me in the door. And then I'm just like everyone else, right? Conversely, if you build a brand where you, the people in the club are the people who are, are treated the best, Mm. And and the people in the club are the, are the people in your brand that you take care of are the people who get the white glove treatment. They get the service when, whenever they need it. And that's building your brand. Then people want to come to your club because they hear it from everyone else. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of limitation because, you know, supply demand. Sometimes there's only one of you. If you're a solopreneur, if you're a startup, you're, you can't scale right away, et cetera. But all those things, they, they all build. They all escalate. And, and that's really a key point of building a value-driven brand, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so fascinating. I, so, um, can you see behind me for those, uh, listening and not watching, uh, behind me is my whiteboard and it has hashtag sex C E H X that is. (laughs) (laughs) And I talk a lot about the joy of sex and that is the customer, uh, the employee and the human experience. And it's proven in certainly the customer experience uh, findings and and research that when you do look after your current customers, the ones that are loyal to your brand, you can actually improve your return on investment by 95%, like 25 to 95%. And that is a, a fascinating number to consider But it also makes me so perplexed as to how these big businesses keep doing what you suggest, like what you said, sorry, not what you suggested. They do the opposite of what Mm -hmm. you suggest. You know, they they throw like trinkets at you and, and think, oh, that's enough to get them over. And once they're here, we can just treat them like rubbish once, you know, once we've got their money, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. But if you are a solopreneur, you cannot do that. You cannot just throw trinkets at people and expect that to create customer loyalty. And 
as you said, like they are your biggest ambassadors. The customers that you treat now with the white glove, um, you know, white glove treatment now, they're going to be the ones that get out there and go, hey, Ryan's a goddamn godsend. I couldn't have Mm -hmm. got these speaking gigs without him. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Ryan gave me an iPad, never spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there is some just to go, I'll go educational on you for a minute. There is some psychology behind it. So it, when people people are reluctant to change, especially in a, if it's a sector that's like government regulated, for example, banking. I use yeah. banks because it's an easy example. Everyone gets it. So to change a bank it can can be a headache. So they they know that. So they know that once they have you in, it's more likely that you're going to stay than leave, for example. Mm. But in, in other industries, for example, for, for my, my own, I get asked all the time. They're like, how do you how do you get so many clients? How do you how do you book so many speaking? How do you? And I just say every every client that I'm able to take on, I don't have a ton of free time. But the, the when I can take on a new client, I treat them as best as I can. I give yeah. them everything I have because that's what they're that's what they're, they're getting when they get me and that travels right you can trust ryan ryan's going to help you if he doesn't know the answer he'll get you the answer type of thing exactly and it's that um reliability that i think we all yearn for as consumers and mm-hmm. you know in customer experience uh especially there's uh old school adages that uh, you know, the old school <clears throat> CX guys are out there going, you've got to create the wow every time, create the <laughs> wow, create raving fans, wow. But the reality is, A, that's really hard, and B, <laughs> it's exhausting to do if you are in business and it's exhausting to experience as a consumer. So I think what you're saying is you just have to, A, be yourself, mm-hmm. start there, uh, and B, just build that trust up with the people that you serve and treat them like my clients. People would think they're my friends and family. I have them over for dinner. I have, I know their kids, right? And, and mm. I, I interject myself into their life to the point where it's really hard for them to get rid of me. <laughs> they're like, how are we going to break up with her? <laughs> But, you know, I I treat them like I would my friends and family because I want to um, I want to create that relationship that is stable, that is reliable, like you said, that they trust. And I think when you can do that with people, that speaks volumes and that's where the leads come from. Yeah, 100%. And when you're looking at it, if you're if you're an you know an entrepreneur or you're you're starting your own brand or even if you've had your own brand for a while, you know your most valuable commodity is your time. Mm. And well, really, everyone's most valuable commodity is their time. But if you're starting a business, it is extremely uh, important. So, do you want to spend your time trying to map out new advertising campaigns and marketing? Maybe if you're early on and you need mm. to kind of get your name out there, raise some awareness. But if you have clients and customers already, if you have a product or a service that you're already selling, I would strongly recommend, I don't want to say urge, but strongly recommend that you focus your efforts there. You'll see a far better rate of return from that investment of your time than if you try to seek out external advertising. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, So that kind of brings us on to the next thing that we were talking about, and that is being receptive to feedback and 
probably intertwined in that is determining which feedback to consider and which to ignore. Now, in my CX circles, this is a constant and regular uh, source of communication or source of conversation, I should say, as to who deserves to be listened to and when do they deserve to be listened to and do we listen at all? Because in my experience, uh, I used to be the national customer feedback manager for a business here in Australia called Bunnings uh, mm. for Australia and New Zealand. So Bunnings is a uh, uh, Home Depot, right? Yeah, right. So it's big good. and there was a lot of customer feedback and, of course, you would have to pick and choose uh, you know, you would you would take all the feedback, but what would you do? Like, how would you make that distinction between who gets uh, action taken and who doesn't? Who do we ignore? Who do we, you know, do more work with? What what say you on that matter? I would say, with regard to taking in feedback, first of all, you need to be you need to be receptive in the in the sense that you can't have any preconceived notions one way or the other, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's difficult for people to to come to terms with. They, most people are passionate about their brand; they have a, they have a vision in their mind, and they want to bring that to fruition. Yeah, and fair enough, a hundred percent fair enough, but. Oftentimes, the market is extremely, and by the market, I mean customers, clients out there, they're extremely effective at telling you what they want. Mm. So if you're getting some feedback, if you're getting pushed in one direction, I've, I've had this so many times with, with some of my clients when I work with startups, and they tell me, that, but, but Ryan, I have, the, I have this vision though, and I know it's going to work, and I know if we can just stick it out a little bit longer, and I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I believe you have 100%, and you might be, we might come to that, but look what's happening now. Right. Mm. People right now are wanting to, you know, to reframe to look like this or to yeah. showcase something else, right? There's, there may be value there. I'm not saying we need to do it, but definitely explore it, yeah. right? Because you got to constantly take the temperature because if you don't, if you lose touch with your, with your audience, if you lose touch with your, with your customer base or your client base, then you're just kind of throwing darts at a wall, right? Yeah. Then, then really you're on your own path. It's a solo mission. You're right? so, and, you're so lovely when you say that. <laughs> Here in Australia, we would say you're throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> Trying to keep it PG. <laughs> this is what we call cultural differences, people. <laughs> I love it, but it is. It's absolutely true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. But you're right. Tied into it, though, is you can't listen to everyone, right? And, yeah. and you know, there will be too much, especially when you get to a certain size. So you have to be selective and strategic with who you listen to and who you don't. And I wouldn't yeah. suggest just going off of someone's background or someone's merit, right? Um, everyone could could have a great idea. What we, you want to do is follow the trends. You want to follow the patterns. You want to look for um, recurring comments and, and, you know, have a couple trusted you want to have a couple trusted sources that can give you an objective viewpoint of yeah. where you're positioned versus what the people are looking for and then have that that brand market fit, if you will. Yeah. And I think, you know, if if you're out there listening or watching and you think brand market fit, okay. So when I work with clients to get that brand market fit, we try to figure out what are what is that vision for you that 
you know, that burning desire to achieve, but also what are the values that you're going to apply to the way your brand works? And mm-hmm. uh, it's fascinating how many people go, oh, oh, maybe I'll do this. They they ask for that. Maybe I'll go and do this. And you go, is that aligned to your values, right? And they'll go, oh, I don't have values. Go, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do just because they're not written down. I bet you do though. And, you know, but it's interesting to me. Uh, it's kind of one of the core foundations that I get my customers to all go and do is to create those brand values for themselves so that they do have something to apply a decision against, right? Mm. And also when you start to get to the point where you've got team and those team are starting to apply their, you know, insights and feedback, again, as a team, you can go, okay, well, where does this land us against our vision? Where does this land us against our values? Is it aligned? Okay, it's aligned. Let's go do it. Great. It's going to build our brand. If not, um, oh, what's an example? You know, like changing changing what you do, changing what you sell, just because someone said, uh, oh, um, you know, I had a friend that ran a coffee shop and they kept getting feedback saying, oh, we want you to start serving food. They didn't have the capacity to serve food. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that aligned to what you're trying to do, though? And they were like, oh, but that's what they want. I said, Sometimes I don't get what they want. Yes. Sometimes you have to just understand that that's not what you mm-hmm. were made for. And, okay, if that's where you want to take your business, then how are you going to change the model of your business to support it? Because ultimately, and very sadly, it didn't work. They couldn't support the model. They weren't set up to make it work. And purely because of feedback, uh, they chose to listen to it when it wasn't aligned to what their values were. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a great story. Um, I feel like I'm interviewing you now. Um, that's, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great story, and and it really does illustrate the point. You can't be all things to all people. Yes. And you have. You must. If you're going to be successful, you must know that going in. And when I say know that, people sometimes give lip service. Yeah, I know that, Ryan. Yeah, I know. But do you actually know? Because as soon as someone gives you feedback that's counter to what you want to do. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it, it won't, you know, you're not going to just cut it off and say, well, that doesn't matter because we weren't going after them anyways. Then it's like, but, but what if they want this though? And then what if they want that? Right. And then next thing you know, instead of, you know, building a car, you have like a, you know, a trailer or something with it, with a big crane on it. And you're like, well, it's what they wanted. What, like four people out of whoever. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you how many times that's happened where someone's like, I talked to someone today and they said I should do this. And I was like, mm. Okay, so we have 400 people in the survey that said this, and one person said something else, right? So are we giving everyone the same weight? There's a, there's a lot of he, factors. He who say. yells loudest doesn't yeah. necessarily deserve to be to be the one that we uh, take action upon. Well said. Mm. Well said. Yes, it's very interesting, and and I think it also comes with uh, a little bit of practice, and and you know I I think one of the things that I have got much better in uh, as the, the longer I do business, the better I get is um, making mistakes. I get really good at making mistakes, but uh, I used to think making a mistake was detrimental, utterly, mm-hmm. utterly detrimental. And now, uh, you know, I make a mistake and I 
profusely swear at myself myself and but then I go okay what do I have to do to not do that again because that was bullshit and we can't do that again so I absolutely instead of wallowing in the mistake that I made you know listening to the wrong person or putting up the wrong type of content or you know having someone be upset at me because I said fuck who knows right uh but then I kind of ascertain, okay, well, is that something I want to change? Yes, no, maybe, great. Then I've made the mistake, let's learn from it. And I think that is something that as businesses, when you start to listen to other people and consume feedback, which it is so important that you do, but Mm -hmm. it is going to be a practice game to understand, uh, you know, where you're going to get your wins from. But as Ryan said, if you are aligning them, to your brand, then you're generally kind of on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, as you were talking, my mind just sparked off just something else you said. It, it also, it takes some practice, but it is imperative that you are able to look at yourself objectively. And if you do fail, which you will, when, when, when you fail, uh, we all fail, small fail every day. You don't dwell on it right? You don't have it knock you out of commission for a day or two, right? It, it's, it's just a step on the journey. And then yeah. you, you're not, you're better served learning a lesson from it. Okay. What did I learn here? Okay. How can I correct that going forward? And then let's continue making the best use of our time and being productive. Yeah. If you have the other mindset where it knocks you, Oh my, why did I do that? I can, I next, oh, I can't do that again. And then what's so-and-so going to think? And that could really spiral and knock you out for a couple of days. And that's not going to be helpful to anyone. So you're better off to just stay the course and be productive as difficult mm. as it may be. I have a side question while we're talking about feedback and uh, communication. Mm-hmm. I, I am fascinated with the models in which uh, businesses are taught to communicate uh, feedback or give feedback. And um, I'm sure it's an international uh, model we've all heard of is the sandwich, the feedback sandwich, right? And I think I read a little while ago that scientists like came out and said, the feedback sandwich is the biggest load of bullshit. It doesn't work. It's not uh, the best way to do it. But what's your take? What is a good way? So say, for example, you know, people are coming at us and giving us their feedback all the time. What's a good way to, to deliver a response to that feedback or to give feedback? If the sandwich model isn't it, um, what is a good model for delivering feedback? Yeah, that's a great question. The The sandwich model, it, I, I know exactly what you're referencing. And the sandwich model of, you know, giving, paying someone a compliment or giving them something positive and then giving them the, you know, the, the next steps or the, the criticisms, the, the feedback, actual meaningful feedback, and then finishing off with a, a pleasant send off that that has kind of been, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say it, it's been like the telephone game. It's kind of been uh, messed up over the years for mm. lack of a better term. So it's been overgeneralized and people think now that they must start with something complimentary, etc. The truth of the matter is it always comes down to your audience or your counter, whoever you're speaking to. Mm. So if I'm speaking to someone 
in a situation, for example, the sandwich would apply in a situation if I'm speaking to someone and I know, you know, they've busted their hump trying to get something done and they tried their best and it still wasn't good enough or I need yeah. them to redo it or something like that. So in that case, if I were giving that feedback to that person, I would start by acknowledging, I would say, listen, I said, I have some feedback for you and I would tell them, but the reason I'm giving you this feedback is because I know you work so hard on it and I want you to get better. Right. I would say every time when you every time we meet, every time I speak with you, my goal is for you to be better at when you leave than when you came in. Do you, yeah. do you agree? And they always say, yes, I agree. That's what I want to yeah. say. OK, so what follows is going to help you be better when you leave here. OK, and yeah. like, yeah. And then I deliver it as professionally as I can afterwards. I bloody love that. It's it's really stating your intentions. First up, I'm a very. um straightforward kind of person and <laughs> if people come at me with a compliment I automatically believe the next thing that's going to come out of their mouth is a criticism mm-hmm. so, so if they have a criticism and I've told many a boss in the past I'm like don't feed me bullshit just tell me what you need done right don't waste mm-hmm. my time mm-hmm. I, I don't need your um I don't need your petty compliment <laughs> right, just to right. make this easier for you. <laughs> I just need to know what you need fixed. And, um, but that actually changes the frame, doesn't it? That changes. I, I do have feedback. I, I like, I'm telling you now, my intent is to give you feedback, but I appreciate and showing gratitude that changes the whole frame of that conversation. If somebody mm-hmm. came to me with, hey, Aileen, I've got some feedback, but I want to also recognise the effort you have put in has been immense and it's not gone unnoticed, that would actually change how I would receive the feedback. I think that is perfect. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. It, honestly, I like this pretty much what I do. 90% of my day, I, I do this and I love it. it. It's the greatest thing in the world. I have the best job in the world. Oh. But when, when you're speaking to someone, I always like, okay, so what do I, what do I want them to do? What's my desired outcome here? Right. Mm. In this situation, I want you to, to leave the conversation feeling good, feeling empowered. And I want you to, you know, improve for next time, let's say in whatever yeah. respect we're talking about. Right. So how do I make that happen? Right. If, if it's a, if I'm speaking with you alien and you come in and I know that you don't buy the BS and that you take that almost more offensively and more insulting than if I were to be straightforward, there'd be like a different approach, right? Because it, you're going to, you're going to do, you're going to take the feedback one way or the other, but yes. it's, how enthusiastically will you take it, right? How much will you perform afterwards? How much That's am I going to resent doing. you? <laughs> yeah. we got to maintain that relationship because the next time something comes up, right? And then when the conversations happen around the corner, which they inevitably will, you know, about Aileen, oh, did Aileen give me feedback the other day? And then what will happen is people will be on your side. Like, you know what? She gave me feedback too, but she actually, I, I was, she's, she's looking out for me. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think she's got, she's got the right idea. You know, that, yeah. and th- that's what you want happening behind that you don't see, but that's the residual effects. It really actually is a culture changer. Like that, that could change culture in an it organization. Does, yeah. That's uh, that's massive. Oh, look at that little gumdrop. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use that. And I, and I truly think, you know, like, I feel sorry for people that try to give me feedback. I'm, I love feedback. I love it. Blah, 
love it. Um, I probably ignore, you know, I, I listen to it, but I probably don't act upon about 80% of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I feel sorry for people who like charity people will walk up to my door, maybe not so much at the moment, but uh, with COVID, but <laughs> they normally come and give me their beautiful spiel about the babies and the children. And I'll just be like, how much money do you want? Just, I don't care. Just give me, I'll just give you money. Just, <laughs> we're like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Just tell me how much money you need. So that's a little bit like how I am in a workplace too. Just tell me what you need. Stop. You know, there's a you, you yeah. can beat this out when you share it, but there's a saying over here that says, uh, "We're not here to fuck spiders," right? I've never heard that before in my yeah. life. Yeah, we got shit but, to do. <laughs> although the largest spider I've ever seen in my life was in Australia. Oh, really? Um, it was massive. Um, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Maybe a but, huntsman. That oh. Oh. <laughs> It was, was life changing. It was it was a life changing experience for me when I was. No one told me that was going to happen. When I, they're like, you're going to eat this kind of food. You're this is the weather. This is what the. No one said anything about the spiders. That what was food, what food did they warn you about? Well, that, it wasn't so much they they warned me. It was just like it, it's it's different than what you're used to. Here. <laughs> like they you know they don't call them French fries. They call them chips. Okay. Well, yeah, and, we uh, have chips. So you, yeah, just like like things like that. So I was like, oh, okay. No one said you're, I'm going to see spiders bigger than my hand. Like no one said that. <laughs> I remember uh, going on a holiday to uh, the Gold Coast and I walked out of my hotel room and I had to walk uh, between two palm trees and I didn't notice <laughs> until I was nearly embroiled inside this spider's web that was easily two plus metres wide. I don't know what that is in feet, maybe like no, six, Canadian, seven feet wide. And the spider inside the web, it was bigger than my head. And I literally, I wish we didn't have video phones back then or like cameras on our phone. And I wish we did because I literally like dropped to the ground on my back screaming. <laughs> and my, my girlfriend that I was on holiday with was like, what did you do? What have you done? And I was like, spider! <laughs> totally overreacting. Poor spider's probably like, human, idiot human. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling you, though, if you've never seen it before, if you're a you know small town Canadian boy like me, that'll, that, that, that'll scar you. There, yeah. There's a memory you'll never go. <laughs> But sorry. Oh, we're, it's we're, a whole new arachnophobia, really, isn't it? Goodness me. So let's get on to this last point because I really uh, I really am curious to learn more about what your uh, thoughts are around demonstrating an understanding as well as your knowledge. How does that uh, translate into creating a value-driven brand? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's a great question, and some people overlook this. But it, it – <laughs> It's because we have a natural inclination to, well, we repeat behavior that we've seen. And oftentimes, if someone's going to present themselves or to speak, uh, you know, to publicly, they will say, they'll introduce themselves or, hi, I'm Ryan. Um, you know, I'm from Toronto. I have, you know, I work in California. I have a bachelor's degree in this, a master's degree in that, and this and that. And you just basically read off your resume, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, when you're speaking like that, the audience, whoever's listening, is sleeping. Like you lost. <laughs> like they're 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 gone right so, 
because you haven't told them anything except your accomplishments. Yeah. Right? You haven't like you haven't gotten through to them. They're thinking, I don't know if this person can help me. When you're speaking with someone, especially for the first time, when someone sees your brand for the first time, they make their decision in like seven or eight seconds. Yes. So, so you have to hit them. Right. So then the question becomes, how do I get through Ryan? How do I hit them? Right. And you do that by demonstrating an understanding, right? Well, an understanding of what you demonstrate an understanding of them, of what they're going through, of how they think, what thoughts are going through their head and why. Right. And you demonstrate that to them and you articulate it and then you have them. They're like, yeah, that is me. Or they're, they're like, yes, you know, I, I have considered that in the past. Right. Where are you going with this? And you have their intrigue. And from there, then you can ship, then you can, you know, package whatever you want in it right like um yeah a friend of mine had, had an analogy it's like like sugar coating a pill i don't know if it's exactly like that but <laughs> but the way that i that i typically do it yeah I, I demonstrate an understanding so for people who don't know me who've never met me before and I, if i were looking for say uh, prospective clients to increase their own uh, communication I wouldn't read off my resume and say everything i've done and what i've accomplished yeah i would say i would i would tell them i'd be like I know what it's like to struggle to find the right words to express yourself. I feel the frustration, right? Yeah. Are you ever in a situation where you know what you want, but you can't get it because you don't know, you just get frustrated and you, you stop talking altogether, right? Mm. And then you know, how would you like to you know, be able to speak in any situation and navigate any new territory you find yourself in and being confident that you can achieve whatever outcome you want, right? Usually, not, I don't say exactly that, something to that effect, depending on who I'm speaking to. Yeah. But usually that is a far greater impact than just reading off my resume, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is um, such a wonderful point because that is ultimately, you know, again, we talk about the human experience. Uh, that means that you need to be able to relate to other humans and just uh, – you know, using that left brain, like verbatim, here's what I do, here's what I've got a certificate in and ratty, ratty, rah, that mm. doesn't actually help you relate to the humanness of the people that you're talking to. But I think being a little bit more creative and finding ways to resonate and align yourself to their experiences is freaking brilliant. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I didn't come up. So it's it's a Stephen Covey thing. Um, he said, you know, that seek guy. first to understand. Yeah, that guy. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And and he kind of, I mean, it's been well known in psychology for years, but a lot of times people just need to unload or they need to talk, right? And then once they they get their point out, mm. they're far more receptive to whatever comes next. Some people feel it's a win if they're heard, right? Yeah. But if I'm speaking to, if I'm if it's just one way communication then you don't have that opportunity to get through me and I got to get to you still. All right. Yeah. And you have your, so how do I do that? Right. Well, I have to, instead of seeking to understand, I have to demonstrate that I understand. I have to preemptively, I have to be, you know, proactive, think out how, what are you going through? What would you like? What challenges are you facing? How can I add value to you? And then I need to package that to you, tell you before I give you anything else or else yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And what an absolute banger to finish up on. <laughs> now, if uh, any of this is resonating with you, which I am quite certain it will be because uh, I do speaking for 
a large part of my job and I still have learned so many amazing things and uh, and I would love to learn more. But if you are interested in learning more about uh, improving your presentation skills or your speaking skills uh, and learning from the boss himself, uh, you can because when this podcast goes live on valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series, you will have the ability to get in touch with Ryan and learn all about the ways that you can work with him, including he has a um, course that is available. Is that right, Ryan? You've got a course. Oh, coaching services. Uh, <laughs> sorry, he can coach you. <laughs> on doing all of those amazing things. And you too can be a wonderful speaker and so articulate like Ryan is. See, he's demonstrating, <laughs> demonstrating <laughs> his skills uh, so finely, of course. Um, but you can also find the link to Ryan's book uh, as well, and that is The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Professional helps if I say that word properly, for professional presentations, which, to be honest, more and more of us are having to do online presentations as well. And please don't underestimate how important it is to be able to uh, find the right words and articulate yourself in those uh, mediums because, to be honest, every time I have had to do a virtual presentation, a lot of my speaking at the moment is virtually, uh, it is really difficult, really, really difficult. And you talked about that one-way communication, Ryan, and mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is when it's a virtual conference. It's one-way communication. It's just me talking at you and it's freaking difficult to do because <laughs> if I was on a stage or if I was in front of a crowd, I'd be able to kind of have a two-way conversation at least. I'd be able to engage with the crowd a bit more easily. I'd be able to feed off their energy. Uh, but at the moment I'm feeding off Zoom. So <laughs> it makes it really <laughs> difficult. So I would highly suggest that if that is something that is uh, a requirement for you or you know you need to start doing it better, then please head over to valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series and find this podcast with Ryan and get all of his details so that you can learn to be as amazing communicator as he is. Ryan, I have to say thank you. I have, as I said, I have learned so many cool things and especially, uh, you know, I agree so much with all of the feedback consensus and just uh, taking out that nugget around uh, delivering feedback that is going to be a game changer for so many of us, I'm sure of it. But before I let you go, there's one mm -hmm. thing that you might not know. And for those of you, if you have not joined us before on the Value Driven Brand Podcast, there's a fun little thing that we do at the end. <laughs> and I ask all of my amazing guests to fill out a guest profile form so that we can uh, keep this show on the road uh, for the most part until I okay. let segues occur. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the questions on the profile form is uh, what song makes you ready for anything? Now, do you remember what you answered? I do. That's the only question that I remember what I answered for that one. <laughs> and I did what it for it? you. I wrote it for you. 
It was uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. <laughs> Yay. So the reason that I ask every guest that comes onto the podcast, what is the song that gets them pumped up for anything is because we actually have our very own Spotify playlist and you can get access to that Spotify playlist where you find this podcast on valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. And every guest that has been on the podcast has put the song that gets them pumped up for everything and anything. And I tell you, it is an eclectic mix these days. <laughs> and uh, as I say at the end of pretty much every podcast now, if you listen to it and you are not pumped up, go back to bed and start again, mate. Because <laughs> if you can't get pumped up after listening to some of these bangers, oh, it's time to start again. Go back, start again, roll over, have a nap, nap and then uh, try again. But Ryan, when this podcast goes live, your song, Thunderstruck by ACDC, will be on that Spotify playlist. So thank you so much for your contribution. I feel honoured. It was my pleasure. It's a very Aussie ode, ode, Aussie ode. That's the word I'm going to go with, <laughs> being articulate. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Aussie ode uh, for, a, for a Canadian. So we appreciate that. Happy to help it always is also a great in day. all facets, whatever we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Just strengthening that relationship. <laughs> but, but you're right. Honestly, if you listen to that song and you don't feel like you want to do something, it's almost like, like you're not a lie. Like, you, no. you, I don't know how you could, right? You know, but anyway, that's just me. Exactly. Go check your heart, right? You might, <laughs> exactly. you might need coffee <laughs> or all else fails. Just start again. Just go back to bed for a nap. Come back out. Try again. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so, so grateful uh, to learn all of those wonderful insights from you and uh, to the people listening. Uh, we all love learning wonderful new skills on how we can create a value-driven brand. So thank you. You're quite welcome. My pleasure. Love it. Now, that is it for us today. We will be back next time. But... Until then, please get out there, deliver value to somebody else in your life because, as we know, what goes around comes around. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Brand Podcast with your host, Aileen Day. Is your business struggling to become known as the sought-after leader in your industry? Access our Value Driven Brand Quiz and special three-part podcast series to identify the gaps and what you need to focus on first go to www.valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. Tune in next time where we discuss more ideas on how you can deliver your own value-driven brand.